you know that I tend to prepare a lot more than what we actually cover, but I promise you today we're going to get out on time. And we're going to kind of hop, skip, and jump through this. There's a whole lot of meat that could be put on the skeleton of the message I'm going to give you today. And it's one of those things that this passage in particular, when I started unpacking, started studying through and unpacking everything that's there, I felt like I opened a can of worms because there's so much. I mean, we could spend weeks and weeks of messages on this one passage of Scripture, and, and uh, we're going to try not to do that today. We're going to try to hop, skip, and jump through it. The, the theme of the message, the ministry of reconciliation, uh, it's interesting that we um, had in our service today the testimony of the mission trip because that's one of the ways that we as the body carry out the ministry of reconciliation, the very thing that we're going to be talking about today. Take your hand out. Did everybody get the hand out? Okay. We're, we're going to pretty much just run straight down this thing from top to bottom. And I'm going to add a few comments as we go. But we're talking about the ministry of reconciliation in 2 Corinthians chapter 5. The paper says verse 14 through 21, but I'm going to cut that down to verse 17 through 21. So let me read. Let me ask God to bless this time first, and then we'll get into the word. Father, we want to hear what you have to say to us today. Uh, we don't want to hear anything more or anything less. And we pray that in this uh, short time that we've got together that your word will be made known uh, and that you'll speak to our hearts and we'll take something away from this message. We just thank you for this opportunity um, to hear your word. We ask you to bless it in Jesus' name. All right, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17. This was actually one of the very first verses I memorized when I became a Christian. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creature. The old things passed away. Behold, new things have come. Verse 18, now all these things are from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. Now pay attention how many times that word pops up as we read this. All these things are from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. Namely, that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them, and he has committed to us the word of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ, as though God were making an appeal through us. We beg you, on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. He made him who knew no sin to be sin on our behalf, so that we might become the righteousness of God in him. Well, if I count right, if my math skills are still good, there's five different times that the word reconcile shows up in that scripture in one form or another, either reconciled or reconciliation or reconciling. And the, the root word of that word reconciled, if you trace it all the way back, it has to do with exchanging coins. And it, it's really kind of an accounting term. And when I hear the word reconciled, the first thing that I think about is my checkbook. Now, I realize we're living in a day today where a lot of the younger people don't really know what a checkbook is anymore. I know my 20-somethings in my family um, are, are guilty of not using a checkbook to register all their stuff. But, you know, whether, whether you use a checkbook to record your expenses or whether you keep track of them in your mind, you know, the old days we had the, we had the checkbook and we'd record all of our deposits, all of our expenses. Once a month we'd get a bank statement... And we'd have to reconcile our checkbook to match the bank statement. 
So I'd sit down with the bank statement, which was the standard, and I'd take my checkbook, and I'd check this, and I'd check that, and if, if the numbers in my checkbook were different than the bank statement, I would edit the checkbook and bring it into agreement with the bank statement. In today's world, where we use the debit cards and we don't write so many checks and people are prone not to have a checkbook, typically those people will still log in online to their bank every couple of days, once a week. They'll log in and they'll look at the numbers there and then they'll reconcile whatever records they're keeping. They'll, they'll bring their records into agreement with what the bank says. Well, this word reconcile, I mean, this word reconcile has that same meaning. It's, it's to bring one account into agreement into agreement with another. So when the word tells us that God reconciled us to him, what it means is he's the standard. You know, in my little illustration, God's the bank statement. He's the thing that's right. And I'm the checkbook. I'm the, the thing that's prone to have errors in it. There may be things entered incorrectly. There may be things not entered. There may be math, you know, errors, addition, subtraction, errors. And God took me as the checkbook and he reconciled me, and he brought me into agreement with him as the bank statement, with him as the standard. Now, if you follow down the sheet here and fill in the blanks, you know, reconcile to bring one account into agreement with another, well, there's two parts of that in the life of a Christian. God reconciled our souls. At the moment of salvation, our soul was brought into agreement with God. Our sins were forgiven. All of our mistakes of the past were forgiven. All of our mistakes of the future were forgiven at that moment. Every mistake I'll ever make has already been forgiven. It's already been made right. God reconciled my soul, and he brought my soul into agreement with him. And if you want to fill in the blanks, it's, this, this part of reconciliation speaks of position. It speaks to who we are as a reconciled soul, as a, as a child of God. Our eternity is secured. He saved us from eternal judgment in hell apart from God. But he didn't stop there. He saved us to eternal life in heaven with God. Salvation is always a from and a to. We're always saved from something, but then we're saved to something else. Well, if you follow down in item B, God is reconciling our lives. We uh, use the fancy word sanctification. And God reconciling my life is a process. Where reconciling my soul was an event, reconciling my life is a process. So he's bringing our lives into agreement with him. This speaks of activity, and it speaks about what we do. So God's working in my life, according to the Apostle Paul. Now all these things are from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ. God's working every day to bring my life into agreement with him to bring the things that I do into agreement with him. So he's saving us from a life without lasting purpose or value, and he's saving us to a life with eternal purpose and eternal value. Now, I made a list here, this next little paragraph. God wants to bring every aspect of our lives into agreement with him. I made a little list here of just some things that, that came to mind. But he wants to bring every thought that I have into agreement with him. He wants to reconcile my thoughts to him. He wants to bring every desire that I have into agreement with him. He wants to bring every belief that I have into agreement with him. He wants to bring every relationship in my life into agreement with him. He wants to take every opportunity that he gives me and bring that. He wants to take every possession that I have 
and bring that into agreement with him. He wants to take all of my money, all my expenditures. And we could add several more things to that list, but I'm trying to get you to understand that God wants to bring every single aspect of your life into agreement with him. How does he do this? I keep coming back. I've run across this example of Moses several times lately, but you look at, you look at Moses and you remember Moses spent 40 days with God. You remember he came down off the mountain and what was happening to his face? Remember? He was glowing. He was shining. How did that shine get in Moses? How did that glow get there? Go ahead and answer. In his presence. Exactly. And you know, the fascinating thing to me about that story is Moses didn't even know he was glowing. He didn't know that he was shining. And, and the whole point of that is Moses spent so much time with God that Moses just literally soaked up God's radiance. Moses soaked up God's glory. And then when Moses walked away and he went out to interact with the people, that shine and that glory just flowed out of him. It was just a natural result of having been with God. So when we talk about the fact that God wants to reconcile our thoughts and our desires and our beliefs and our relationship and our opportunities and our possessions, and you look back at Moses, the only thing Moses did was just make himself available to spend time with God. And the change that happened in Moses' life was just simply the result of hanging out with God. Right? It's no different for us. It's no different. All that God really asked us to do is just be available to be with him. Just hang out with him for a while. Hang out in his word. Just read it. It will do the changing in your life. You know, Christianity is not about avoiding all this list of bad things. That's what we make it so many times. We make Christianity about, oh, I can't do that, and I can't do that, and I can't do that. Now, that's not what Christianity is about at all. Christianity is about hanging out with God, being in his presence, and letting his presence transform us, and going away from that encounter into the world, and letting that presence naturally flow out of us, just like it did with Moses. Okay? So, number one, God reconciled us to himself. Flip over your page. Let's hop, skip, and jump on to number two. So God reconciled us to himself, but then God gave to us the ministry of reconciliation. Verse 18, Now all these things are from God, who reconciled us to himself through Christ, and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. God desires to reconcile the rest of the world to himself, just like he did for you and me. Okay? At the heart of God's plan to reconcile the world to, the world to himself is... Somebody tell me what goes in those blanks. At the heart of God's plan to reconcile the world to himself is... Who said it? Yeah, it's you and I, or you and me, whichever way is proper grammar. Some of the homeschool moms can correct me on that. But we're there. It, it's us. At the very heart of God's plan to reconcile the world is us. It's his children. It's his believers. It's the reconciled ones, the ones that he's taken and he's brought into agreement with him, that is step one, and then he gives us the ministry of reconciliation. And we'll read a minute down here in a minute. He gives us the word of reconciliation. Verse 19, namely that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them, and he has committed to us 
the word of reconciliation. All right, so God doesn't reconcile us just for our benefit so our eternity can be secure and so our life can be better, although that's part of the plan. But he reconciles us so that he can in turn use us to continue reconciling others and to continue going and going and going. But remember, God is the one doing the reconciling, but he uses us to speak the word of reconciliation. Again, I'm afraid that the enemy leads us to make the Christian life much too complicated. We feel like we've got to do all the work. We feel like it's up to us to do everything perfect. We feel like it's up to us to have all the answers. We feel like it's all on our shoulders to go out and save the world. And it's not. It's not at all. God reconciled us. He will reconcile the next people. He just wants to use us as part of that tool. He wants to give us the opportunity to play part of that role. It's an opportunity. It's a blessing. It's an honor to be used. You know, these guys that just went, guys and gals that just went to the DR, that's, a, that's just a blessing that God allowed them to have the opportunity to go and be used to impact lives and, and to participate in this process that we call the ministry of reconciliation. All right, point number three, we each individually have a role to play. So God reconciled us. He gave us the ministry of reconciliation. As individuals, we have a significant role to play. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ as though God were making an appeal through us. We beg you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. He's making his appeal through us. And if we as an individual choose not to participate, it's going to be trouble. There's a role for me to fulfill that no one else can fulfill. And I started to put you there. <laughs> I started to say there's a role for you to play. I'm bad about that. And I thought, no, the answer there is me. There's a role for me to play. And every one of us fills that out. There's a role for me to play in the individually, as an individual person in the ministry of reconciliation. The ministry of reconciliation will not be carried out to its full potential unless I fulfill my role. Participation in the ministry of reconciliation is not an optional part of being a Christian. There's not an opt-out clause anywhere that I've found in Scripture that gives any particular person the right to say, well, I mean, sure, the pastor and the teachers and you know, church leaders, sure, they've got to do that, but, you know, I'm so insignificant that I don't have to participate in that. I don't have to make an effort there. I'm just, a, I'm just an insignificant Christian. It doesn't work that way. I haven't found any place that works that way in Scripture. Every single one of us, if you're a believer, you have a part to play individually in this ministry of reconciliation. The overarching objective of every aspect of our lives should be to accomplish the ministry of reconciliation. Do you know why God wanted, wants to reconcile this list of things? Remember, under number one, we, I gave you the list, every thought, desire, belief, relationship, opportunity, possession, expenditure. Do you know why he wants to bring all those things into agreement with him? Because under number three, we see that all those things have a role to play in us fulfilling the ministry of reconciliation. God wants to use every thought that I have to accomplish the ministry of reconciliation. If I have a thought that's not geared towards somehow accomplishing that ministry of reconciliation, that's a wasted thought. And what value is it? If I have a desire that's not geared towards accomplishing the ministry of reconciliation, if I have a belief, if I have a relationship 
opportunity individually God wants to take each one of these parts and it, I mean it, it, we should make the focus we should make the effort that each and every one of these things in our lives are geared towards allowing God to use us as he's reaching out in his effort to reconcile the world to him I right, flip over to the next page 2 Corinthians uh, chapter 5 verses 14 and 15 for the love of Christ controls us, and I like the King James says compels us. For the love of Christ controls us, having concluded this, that one died for all, therefore all died, and he died for all, so that they who live might no longer live for themselves, but for him who died and rose again on their behalf. And I come back, you know, I bolded and underlined, and my, my bolding and underlying might get irritating to some people, but it's so important. He died for all, so that they who live might no longer live for themselves, but for him. He died for all. Who all is included in that word all? Every one of us, right? He died for all, so that they who live, us, <laughs> right? might no longer live for themselves, but for him who died and rose again on their behalf. There's so much power in this one verse, if we really unpacked it. He died on my behalf. He gave his life so that I could live. Therefore, my life should be lived for him. Right, then I say, I have no rights to these things. It's the same list. My thoughts, my desires, my beliefs, my relationships, my opportunities, my possessions, my expenditures, my time. You notice I use the word my, 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 my. I really shouldn't have done that because it's not my, 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 my. It's his, 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 his that he's given to me. Now, before you begin to feel overwhelmed again at the, at the thought that everything in my life is supposed to, you know, be spent and I don't know how to do that and that seems overwhelming to me and, you know, I, I, I just struggle to get through life. I don't know how to take my life and focus it and surrender it and, you know, take it to that next level of, of ministry. Look at that next sentence. We have no ability within ourselves to accomplish this ministry. I don't. I have no ability within myself to do that. It can only be done by staying connected to the vine and by letting his fruit flow through us as the branches. John 15, 4, Abide in me, and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine. So neither can you unless you abide in me. Remember Moses we just talked about? What did Moses do? He went and abode, abided, whatever the word is, <laughs> the right grammar there. He went and hung out with God for 40 days. And when he came away from that 40-day hangout session... He was radiating God. It's just the same thing here. Guys, we don't have this. I, I, don't, I don't want to get to the end of this message and have somebody walk out of the doors here today feeling overwhelmed that I've burdened you with this tremendous responsibility that now you've got to figure out how to go save the world. That's not what it's about at all. It's about abiding in the vine, as John says in chapter 15. You bite in the vine, you spend time, you soak up God's characteristics that way. You just stay attached and let the life of him flow through you. And before you know it, he'll be working miracles that you can't even believe. And then the unexplainable things will be going on in your life. 
And then you'll be looking and saying, man, I, you know, that's not me. You know, I know I did that somehow, but I didn't do that. God did that through me. All right, so God reconciles us. He gives us the ministry of reconciliation. As individuals, we've each got a part to play, a very significant part to play. And if we individually choose not to play our part, then the overall ministry of reconciliation suffers. Okay? But point number four, we'll be most effective when we are working as a body. And this is really the heart of the message today. I want you to really think about this as we go through this section. We'll be most effective carrying out the ministry of reconciliation when we work as a body. Romans 12, 4 through 6. For just as we have many members in one body, and all the members do not have the same function, so we who are many are one body in Christ, and individually members one of another. Since we have gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, each of us is to exercise them accordingly. Let's think of this through a minute. And I've been blessed with the opportunity to live in two different foreign cultures, one in Africa and one in Mexico, for about three years each time. The mission team has had the opportunity, I think Mark's did five times, to go down to the DR and experience that culture. Um, different people have had different opportunities with cross-cultural experiences. I can tell you, as much as I love and, and honor and respect our country, the one thing that we lack as a, as a culture, as a society, is the value of community. You get into every one of these other third world cultures that are so backwards in so many ways, and they're so lacking in so many ways, and yet one of the things that you find that's very prevalent there is, is the, the understanding of the value of community. They understand that they need each other to survive. Sometimes daily living They've got to have the community just to survive day to day. Well, we in America have been blessed so much, and, and we've been built on this idea of, you know, the rugged individualism, which, which I thoroughly respect and enjoy, and, you know, I'm right there with you. But I'm going to tell you, our, our concept of individualism is a hindrance to the gospel. Because what it makes us believe is that we can go out there on our own and minister in God's name just one-on-one. Now hear me out when I'm saying this because there's a, there's a tremendous amount of value that we can do one-on-one -on -one as we go interact in the world. So don't think I'm saying that there's not value in the one-on-one -on -one ministry. Oh, the value of working together as a team, the, the value of community. You know, this, this verse, you know, the, the point that the Apostle Paul's making here, we're many members of one body and all the members do not have the same function, so we who are many are one body in Christ. Now listen to this next part of this verse, because this, this, I think, just goes right to the heart. It makes me squirm. I'm just going to be honest with you. It makes me squirm. And individually members one of another. We're all together as the body and individually members one of another. Now, what that speaks to me is some very close, intimate relationships going on here. You know, we are individually members one of another. 
We can't walk out of these doors and just say that, you know, I'm a Christian and I'm going to go on and do my thing. Because according to the Apostle Paul, we're all one body, we're tied together, we're individually members one of another. Since we have gifts that differ according to the grace given us, each of us is to exercise them accordingly. But the bottom line is that God designed us to need each other. God did not fully equip any one particular person with all of the spiritual gifts. Right? There's not a one of us that can go out on our own and represent Christ in a full and complete ministry. And somebody may argue and say, but wait a minute, you know, the Holy Spirit fills us and the Holy Spirit uses us. And and yes, there are times the Holy Spirit uses me to do things that I'm not naturally gifted to do. I don't deny all of that. But I'm telling you that by design, God limited my gifts and my abilities. And he limited Pastor Stan's by design. And he limited Larry's. And he limited, and he limited. We can go all the way around. He created a body that needs each other in order to function as a whole unit. Do you agree with that? I mean, it's contrary to the way we think. Because we want to just go out there and do everything. I know I do. Look, I spend most of my day working by myself in my office. I have employees, but all of my employees are field guys. And we meet in the morning. They go out and work all day long in the field on the job site. And they come back in the afternoon. And you know what? I'm just tickled pink with that arrangement. (laughs) You know, I do have one of my guys occasionally, depending on how the work flows, I've got one guy that can come in and help me with the the computer drafting and some of the office work, and it just makes me a little uncomfortable. You know, when I've got somebody else around that I've got to coordinate my schedule with, and I've got to make sure this, make sure that, and, you know, there's a part of me that just wants to be alone, and I just want to get alone and work and do my thing. And there was a time when I just felt like, you know, that's the way God created me, that's the way that I work best, and I'll just stick with that method. But you know, Scripture is contrary to that belief. God didn't design a system. God didn't intend me to get alone and just do my own thing. He never intended that. It it may be what I feel like doing. It may be part of my nature. It may even be where I'm most comfortable. But you know, the bottom line is God doesn't really care where we're comfortable. Right? There's nothing in Scripture that, again, that I've read. Somebody correct me if I'm wrong, but there's nothing in Scripture that I've read where God says, my objective is to make you comfortable in life. Now, he does want to comfort us when we're in difficult times, so don't get me confused there. But it's not necessarily his objective to just make us comfortable and fat and happy and lazy. My experience is God continually pushes me out of my comfort zone into places that are uncomfortable. And I think one of these things, and maybe he's just working on me, Maybe this message is all for me, but I, you know, I suspect that as a whole, we need, to, we need to dig into this concept of the body and the community and functioning together and, and understand the value of that. You know, one of the things that we did, well, let me add this last blank here and fill it in before I move on. A, a successful ministry will always include a variety of people with different gifts. One of the things we did on the board here last year was we had the board members take a, a spiritual gift assessment, and along with that was a little bit of a personality assessment. Now, that can be intimidating when you're, when you're opening yourself up for evaluation, and then you lay all that information on the table for eight other guys to look at, and there is. There, you know, there's an element there where everybody's like, 
You know, I don't know if I want everybody to know all these things about me, you know. But, you know, one of the things we found, and Larry and I have, have laughed about this just numerous times, Larry and I are opposites in a lot of ways. And there's things that he's very strong at that I'm exceptionally weak at when we got to looking at this spiritual gift and personality assessment. And there's things that I'm strong at that he's not so strong at. And we realize that if the two of us, if we put our two assessments together, we come pretty close to to making a complete person. (laughs) But if you just take mine and look at it, there's all kinds of holes in it. And if you just take his and look at it, there's holes in it. And if you put the two together, but it, you understand what I'm saying is, you know, as, as leaders in the church, we, we figured out, you know, that God's left some holes in me. He didn't equip me with everything that I need. And he left some holes in Larry. And when the two of us come together, we fill in those holes in each other. We make a more complete person. Well, what do you think happens when three of us come together? When Larry and I come together and then a third person comes in, you know, the holes start to get filled pretty quick. And pretty soon, we've got enough of a person, <laughs> put, a, put enough of us together, and we get a whole person that can go out and really have an effective ministry. You, you follow what I'm saying? All right. In fact, let me just stop there. Turn, turn on to your last sheet, and let's just go through a real quick list of things to take away. And I, I really do hope that you'll take this sheet and go back and read these verses and ask God to, to, to fill this out and put some more meat on the on the bones of this lesson. But on the very last sheet, today's takeaways, just got four things there. As a Christian, God has reconciled your soul. Your position in God has been established forever and ever. It'll never change. B, as a Christian, God is reconciling your life. He desires to bring every aspect of your life into agreement with Him and His purposes. Every aspect. Spend some time thinking about that. Spend some time as you go home this afternoon and just think about what your afternoon is going to be. Think about what tomorrow is going to be. God wants to bring every aspect of your life into agreement with himself and his purposes. Number two, God not only reconciled you to himself, but he's also given you the ministry of reconciliation and has uniquely gifted you to carry out that ministry. If you don't know what that gift is, if you don't know what your role is in the ministry of reconciliation, come and see me. And I'll put you on to this spiritual gift assessment that we did as the board members. And that's going to give you some clues right there. And there's other ways of figuring out just what it is, just what is your role. And, and we here at Northside need everybody. We need everybody operating within their gifting for us as a church to have a complete ministry. All right, three, accomplishing the ministry of reconciliation should be the objective of every aspect of your life. It's not an optional part of, of a believer's life. There's none of us that have the right to opt out. There's a part for you to fulfill that no one else can fulfill. The ministry of reconciliation will not be carried out to its full potential unless you you fulfill your part. Number four, the ministry of reconciliation will most effectively be carried out when we work together with the other parts of the body. There are no super Christians. God did not fully equip any one particular person with all the spiritual gifts. All right. I'm going to leave that with you. And I actually got done before 12. I think we did good. You want to?